Episode 24 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles. What about the kids? Alright guys, welcome along to episode 24 of Fitness Behaviour, your monthly podcast that focuses on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness and all the benefits that come alongside it. Well, I can say I've had a pretty amazing month in between shows. Uh, the last show I did just before I headed off to Europe and my partner Joe and I, uh, we headed to Europe um, pretty much at the beginning of September and stayed there pretty much for a month. I, I went to Sweden and I taught a, a, a class to a thousand people. It was a bit of a mind-blowing experience and then I went to the UK and spent some time with a friend and then spent a few weeks in Paris and Italy and so uh, we had an amazing holiday and uh, it's good to go away on holiday. It's uh, You kind of forget how hard you work until you go away on holiday so it was pretty cool to get away and, and get out there and see the world. Um, I've got back and you, when you go away from holiday you come back and you've got like a billion things to do but fortunately for me I've been able to keep on top of things. I got some great feedback on last month's show, obviously had a note for a few people and I actually decided to write a piece on the whole idea of where do we measure and how does that negatively affect us and uh, interesting as well, I got a massive amount of feedback on that piece as well, so obviously hit the note with a few people out there, so um, yeah, it's definitely a subject I find very fascinating, but again, obviously you listen to last month's show. If you're new to the show, you can check it out, go to last month's show and you can kind of see what I was talking about when I talk about where to measure. This month's show is going to be a little bit different to what we typically do because it's, well it's not a little bit different, it's the same show, but it's um, it's very specific. I got an email a while ago and I thought um, I would spend a bit of time on this topic and I got an email from a guy called Stuart Moore asking a question and, I, and I'll, I'll start off in the show when I get into it and um, it won't necessarily be for everybody because it's, it's you know in a specific area but have a listen and hopefully it can give you some insight and maybe you can help at some stage in your life. Anyway I think I'll, I'll pretty much get into the show because I don't really have much else to talk about today. It's probably the, the shortest pre-show wrap-up I've ever had so you know let's put some music on and let's get straight into the show. I got an email oh, around 27th of July, I'm looking at the email right now, and uh, you know, I did respond to it within that time, but I got an email from a guy called Stuart Moore, and Stuart Moore is a listener of uh, both this podcast and a, a podcast called I Am Talk, and uh, and here's what the email said, hi, I'm a, I'm a listener of I Am Talk and the fitness podcast, a while ago on I Am Talk you spoke around how to entertain kids and wear them out, I'm a fairly new dad and I'm wondering if I if you'd consider doing a bit of a fitness podcast on how to create new games or play with kids and promote activity in the young ones. Any thoughts, Stu? Now, this is, a, is obviously a pretty specific topic, the idea of kids' exercise and, and kids' health. And uh, it's a topic, topic that maybe a few of you guys won't necessarily have to deal with at this moment in your life. You may not have kids or you may not have... Um, planning to have kids soon but uh, all of us probably have interaction with kids at some stage in our life and so hopefully today in today's show I can give some some feedback or give some some ideas on how we can help kids learn to love exercising and to get all the benefits of it and, and I was doing a bit of research for today's show 
And uh, I was just looking in, in the idea of childhood obesity, and, and I think we all know that childhood obesity is becoming a bigger problem in today's society, especially in Western societies. Um, and in doing my research, I found um, the Centre of Disease and Controls for Prevention uh, website, and in America, for example, the childhood obesity rate in 1980 was around 7% and it's gone up to over 20% now or 2008 based on the study I'm reading here. In the UK it was even higher. So in the UK child obesity rates for boys is over 25% and for girls it's 33%. Now that's between the ages of 2 and 19. And this this obesity rate change has happened in such a short period of time. Now, so if we think of the history of humanity, you know, who knows how long that is, but, but if we think about how long that is, in the last, basically in the last 30 years, these obesity rates have tripled in size. And the concerning thing is, that the, the shocking thing is, is that it's not going down, it just keeps going up. Now, often I talk about, you know, how my industry may be failing the non-exerciser out there. My industry is really good at helping, you know, the fit people with products and stuff like that there for that. But I've got to kind of wonder, and uh, as societies, are we letting our children down? Are we failing our children? And, and, and to be honest, and this may hurt, it will not hurt, but it may be, a critical thing to say, but are our parents letting our children down? As parents, are we actually letting our kids down? So today's show, and, and to be honest, this is not my area of expertise, and I'm sure there's a lot of other people out there who, who can speak to this topic a lot more effectively than I can, but I'm just going to share some thoughts that I have around how do we make kids be more successful in exercise, and maybe some around nutrition as well. I thought I'd start in an area that may not be the most obvious area that a lot of people would think about when they think about childhood obesity. And um, I'm going to start to tell a little bit of a, about my running business. On my running business, I have a running business called Extra Mile Runners, and we've got group training for 5, 10. You know, you've heard me talk about it on the show before. And um, and it, it's going very well, and it's, it's proven to be pretty successful. And one of the reasons my running business is going really well was is people are time poor. And let me go into a bit more detail around that. So if, if you lived in New Zealand in 1980 and 1970 and, and around that time period, and you did sport, you'd always join a sports club. You may join, you know, if you're a runner, you'd join your local running club. And, you know, when you join the running club, you go along, you know, twice a week during the week after work and you go for a run. And, and then Saturday morning, you go for a run as well with the crew in there. But you may, you may have your races on the Saturday and all the rest of it. And then in the afternoon, the kids would go down to the club rooms and your, your parents would go down to the club rooms. And, you know, you pretty much your whole Saturday may be spent around the community within your running club. And at that time, you would join a running club and you would use the services of the running club. But at the same time, you would put time back into the running club. So you may, sure, you may run three times a week, but you'd also be on the committee or you may be out there marshalling every fourth Saturday to help out with the races. And you'd commit a lot of time into the running club. And so the sense of community within the club was really important. And the club worked as a well-oiled machine because 
everyone was willing to use the services of the club, but also commit time to the club for the good of the club. Over the last 15, 20 years, running clubs or small clubs within New Zealand at least, or at least within my region, Christchurch, have been a bit of a fading thing. Now they haven't totally died out, they're still around, but they aren't what they used to be in the heyday. They aren't these really massive groups of people who are doing big things in the area that that was important to them, not just running, but you know, netball clubs, rugby league clubs, all these, these club sports. And one of the biggest problems that clubs have faced in the last 15, 20 years is that people have become very time poor. That we are starting to live lives where our time is becoming really precious. And again, this is a bit of a Western world problem. Sorry about that, just dropped my pen. But this is a bit of a Western world problem. But we've become so time poor that we want the services of the running club, but we don't want to commit the time to the running club. So you tend to find that what has happened with clubs over time is that these running clubs have two or three people who really do all the work. An example of this is I had a lady, uh, Di, who used to come to my classes, my spinning classes at one of the gyms in Christchurch, and she decided she'd help out at the running, um, no, sorry, at the local rugby club as, you know, as a mother trying to get in behind her kid's sport. And after six months of doing it, she just had to quit because the workload was literally like a full-time job. It was just too much for her to do. Now, in the 80s, that workload would have been dispersed around, you know, maybe five or six different people. So nowadays, what's happened is someone like myself, as, you know, an entrepreneurial person, has come in and thought, well, people do want to be a part of a club. People do want to have community. People want all the benefits of a running club. But people are time poor. And because they're time poor, they don't have the you know, the time to commit to, to being a marshal, to, to being on the committees and doing all those things. What people are willing to do is to pay someone to do that service. So that's where my business have come in and said, okay, well, let's do what the old running club used to do and you will pay us a, a fee for us to provide all the service, all the, you know, all the behind the scenes stuff so you can turn up and do your running and do all the good stuff and walk away and, you know, feel like it's a fair transaction. You may be wondering why I'm talking about this right now. I think one of the biggest problems we have moving forward, and again, I'm not an expert, but this is my insight looking from the outside looking in, is that as parents, we are time poor. It's been well documented over the last 30, you know, 40 years of, of, of Western life that we are working longer and we are working harder. If we go back to my mother's generation, her mother didn't work, her mother stayed at home all day, um, and her job was to bring up the family. Whereas nowadays, most parents or most families, or a lot, I can't say most, a lot of parent families, both parents are working, if not one parent part-time, one parent full-time, both parents are probably working full-time. They're, and probably working a lot of hours. This, this being time poor is probably having a big effect on our kids. Because when we're time poor, we're, we're often also energy poor. So if you've worked a you know a fifty hour week in a, in a high stress job, then you come home from work, you're probably pretty tired and you just want to relax. And if you've got kids around, who let's be honest, kids are just a bundle of energy. You know, like they're just full on energy. If you've got kids around when you come home from work, and you're really tired because you're not just time poor, but you're energy poor, and there's the option of them just watching some TV so you can relax, or 
they want to go outside and exercise with you, which one do you choose? And I suppose this leads into my first point. My first point is, in today's world, parents and adults in children's life have to be more responsible to being committed to including exercise in their children's life. In those early years, you know, one of the biggest influences on children is the activities their parents promote. And um, if, if you come home from work and you promote exercise to your child, you'll install a habit that exercise is a part of living life. That if you, you know, if you make that commitment to coming home from work, even though you're tired, getting outside, playing, playing some kind of games, playing some basketball, whatever it is, depending on the age, but doing some physical activity with that child regularly and often, that level of commitment to them shows them that exercise is something that they need to have in their life forever. Now, they're not going to pick up on that consciously, but you'll find if you create that habit early, it'll be something that stays in their life forever and ever. One of the things that really concerns me, I have to admit, is that if we think about this generation of children, you know, the kids who are hugely obese and live that PlayStation life, is that a lot of these kids will have never experienced exercise. I'm going to say that again because it's so important. A lot of these kids have never experienced exercise. They don't even know the feelings of exercise. That blows my mind. That just blows my mind. That that someone could get to adulthood and never experience the joy of running around or or the buzz of going fast or jumping high or of winning a game or or the you know the the disappointment of losing a game, which is is all character building stuff. It it just it it scares me. I got to be honest. And I think one of the things, if I'm going to kind of go on top of it to each other, is that the fact that we're time poor, it's easy for us to allow those external devices like your PlayStations, like TV, for the older kid, like Facebook, for us to neglect that in our children, for us to neglect that, oh, you know what, they're quite happy on their PlayStation right now, I'm tired, I've worked hard, I need my time to relax. So my first point in today's talk is that we need to be responsible to the commitment of bringing exercise into our child's life. That we need to make sure that when we get home, as much as tired as we are, we might need a quick recharge with some food and a quick rest, but they know that at five o'clock every night you're going to go outside and you're going to play some hopscotch, or you're going to play some tag, or you're going to throw a ball around, or you're going to kick it around. It's that commitment that you can show to your child that teaches them that exercise is an important part of life but also teaches them all the benefits of exercise. So that's kind of the, the, the what you do around the home kind of stuff. But then there's also how do you encourage your kids to get into sport and team sport and, and all that kind of stuff. And I think the other thing is that's that commitment thing as well. You know, for you to make sure you're getting out and finding a local sports club, taking your kids to training, making sure you go each weekend and watch their games. It's that commitment of getting them behind that thing that they do, not just taking them to training, but, you know, actually having active interest in their sport, you know, being there supporting them, showing them that you really enjoy watching them doing their sport and all those types of things. So the first thing, I suppose my first point in today's talk is what responsibility are you bringing to your children loving exercise? 
What responsibility are you bringing to, for your children to love exercise? Are you, deep down, do you know that you're neglecting them in this area? That your, your time poorness or your lack of responsibility and commitment is allowing them to create habits that doesn't bring movement and exercise and all the positive stuff that comes alongside that into their life. To be honest, I think I think a really important thing to think about as well is that the earlier start, the easier it is. If you install that base in them from from an early age, that you know physical play and games and all that type of stuff is a really important part of you know just their development. That then once it comes to sport and you know team play, once they get to maybe six or seven or a little bit older or maybe even a little bit younger, depending on the sport, that you've installed that, that habit of exercise. Whereas if you've never done any physical activity with them and then once they get to eight or nine, you get them to join a club, you know, it might work for some kids, but for some kids it probably won't work. So, you know, get in early with your responsibility around exercise. So first point, responsibility and the commitment from the parent to make sure that they are putting time into exercise. There's, there's so many benefits on that stuff, you know, like it, it helps to create memories that are really great between your child and you. It teaches them life lessons around rules, around um, discipline, around fun. There's, you know, there's so many benefits around this stuff. And the interesting thing is as well, is I had a client a while ago who was um, an extremely busy businessman. He worked extremely hard. And um, if we go to time poor, this guy was time poor and, um, we worked on balance in his life. He was just working too much to the neglect of the family. And we really worked hard on him having some family time. And one part of that was that he had to play with his kids every night and play some games with his kids every night. And it could be physical, it could be you know, board games, it could be making pictures or whatever. He just had to spend some time with his kids. And um, we made a commitment that he had to, for an hour every night, spend time interacting with his kids in a fun way and it was really interesting because the idea of going into it was the idea that he needed to make sure he wasn't building a relationship with his children which could be detrimental in the long term and so it was it was really about him and his the relationship with his kids making sure he was being a good dad that's that was really the motivator going into it but what was really interesting after you know a couple of weeks of doing it was that he absolutely loved it it was almost like it was the highlight of his day that he sat down and spent time with his kids doing stuff that was fun and interactive. He'd go outside and play sport with his kids and it was really enjoyable for him. It wasn't just, you know, that was good for the bonding experience and, you know, him being good dad. It was that he got a lot back from it as well. And I think that's one of the things about, you know, sport and playing with your kids is that it's not just for them. It's something that's for you as well. It's really... Kids, you know, kids have that lust for life that, you know, we need to be reminded of sometimes and, and their curiosity and their excitement and all that stuff that there's gain for you in doing that as well. So it's not just about responsibility and commitment. It's also about you're going to get gain from this. So let's say you've made that commitment. You've, you know, as you hear me talk or maybe you're doing it anyway, you kind of, you know, you're committed to bringing exercise movement into your child's life. And then, so then how do we do it? And, um, and I think for a lot of people, the answers might be obvious, but I thought I'd just chuck some, some ideas out there. And I, there's the first answer is to get them into team sport. And again, I've kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but team sport is such a powerful way for your children to learn many life lessons 
um, team, discipline, skill development, fun, um, interaction with adults. It's, it's one thing that, you know, kids who don't deal with sport have less of, you know, you have a coach, you have a team manager, and, and those interactions with adults are very, very important in their development moving forward. So it's all that kind of stuff. So sport in itself is this obvious thing. But if you're the parent at home, and, and we're looking at, you know, the interactions you can have with your child at home, in regards to gameplay, here's some ideas that I think could be really, really good. The first thing is, is that kids love games. If you can create games around movement, it's going to be really effective. So if you say you could go for a run, well, unless you've got a kid who's a real sports billy, chance of a kid wanting to go for a run is probably not that high. But if you could create a gameplay out of running, there's a much higher chance they're going to want to get into it. So I think one of the big things we've got to think about with kids is how do we create games that um, are fun and interactive? And and also that while you're creating these games, you've got to make them that are realistic for your child. And when I talk about realistic, I, I talk about the idea of, um, you know, what age are they? What kind of physical activity can they probably realistically handle? And then how do you gauge when they're exercising that they are getting a little bit tired? So you might set up some kind of game, it's a a tag type of game, and uh, you know, that they have to kind of run for a minute within the tag game. And you you know, that's probably realistic for a younger child. And then what you could do is you can kind of figure out when they're getting tired. Once they're getting tired of that game, you might then go to a ball throwing game, which isn't so much about running, but you might you throw the ball around a little bit and you can have a bit of a skill game instead. So you're kind of mixing and matching the games up so that A, they don't get bored, but B, also it's kind of gauging it around what you're reading off their physical activity. When it comes to gameplay, competition is a really interesting thing. And competition against children, uh, you know, it's, it's, it can be a really fun thing. But I found as a parent, one of the best things you can do is make the competition about you two working together or, or the amount of kids. So um, my daughter and I, we had a basketball hoop in our backyard and uh, we'd, we'd have to play games of basketball against each other and competition was good. But sometimes it was good to do like shots and can we together get 20 shots in when we're, you know, having our shots so when we think about competition, or when we think about the interaction of the exercise, don't always make it about you against them. You know, sometimes, you know, that can work as well, but sometimes make it about you guys working towards, you know, a record. And you may even have on your fridge magnet, you know, the basketball shots record and you write down each night of the week and you're trying to beat your record each night. And it's about working together as a team to try to achieve your best. The other thing on competition that's really important is it's not about you showing how great you are. It's not about you making out, you know, that you're a legend in your kid's eyes. If you just beat your kids all the time and the idea of showing them that you're great, it's not going to be much fun. Sure, sometimes your kids need to lose and sure, sometimes, you know, you're going to beat your kids. But if you're just dominating them all the time, it's going to get pretty boring pretty quickly. So when it comes to, to gameplay and competition with adults and children, you want to make the game exciting and you know most of the time when you're playing your children you, you kind of know you got you can win if you want to unless they're a freak of nature or you're really bad but you're kind of going to know you're going to win most of the time but the thing is is you want to make it exciting and fun and make them feel that they have a chance so if you're playing 
you know, maybe backyard soccer with your kids and it's first to 10 goals, you know, you make the game close, you make them, you know, go up to 7-0 and 8-0 and, you know, and you give them an opportunity to win and, and sometimes you'll beat them and sometimes you won't. But if you keep it close and exciting, they're going to want to stay in the game. The moment you go to 8-0 up, would you want to play against yourself? Remember, it's not about you showing them how great you are. It's about making it fun and interactive. So when it comes to competition, competition is a healthy thing and letting them, making them lose sometimes, actually okay. But you do want to make them win and you want to let them win and you want to celebrate their victories and, and you know, make a bit of a game and fun out of that stuff there as well. When it comes to the, the gameplay as well, and I'm not necessarily going to give specific games in today's show, I, you know, there's lots of different games you can make up, but I think one thing that's really important is the way we communicate with our children when we are doing the gameplay. Notice when they do something good and let them know, wow, that was a great soccer kick there, you kicked the ball so strongly. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure if I've ever done a show on praise, but, the, you know, don't just say, wow, you did well, give them a specific thing that they did well wow when you kick the ball you strike your foot back so far and kick with so much power the whole time you're playing with them you're trying to reinforce the qualities that they are doing well and you're trying to actually make them feel good about themselves as they are playing the game so you might be kind of being the enemy kind of in a fun way i'm trying to beat i'm trying to beat you but when they do something great wow mate I can't believe how well you kick that ball. When you strike it, you hit it at the right part of the ball. So you've been quite specific on them doing well in the game. And really, you know, if we think about environments, it's the whole time is you're trying to help them build esteem through this activity. So, you know, really look for those opportunities to, to make them feel good about themselves. You'll see it in their eyes. They get a little bit of spark in their eyes. They feel good about themselves. And that's really what you're trying to do. You're trying to find those moments and express to them and let them know that, wow, I think you're really good at this stuff. On top of that, what you can do is when everyone else is at home at, later on at night, you can, you know, in front of the family say, wow, I was playing, playing soccer with Jim today. And, and when he kicked that ball, you should have seen how well he kicked the ball. And that, that reinforcement, that positive kind of affirmation of them doing exercise will make them want to do more and more exercise. One thing I know I was guilty of a little bit uh, <laughs> as a parent with my daughter is, um, and, she, and, and what I love about kids is they know when th- something isn't fair. And I, and I would create rules, and it wasn't that the rules were unfair, but sometimes I'd kind of shift the rules throughout a game and um, I can't really think of an example, but my, and my daughter would pull me up on it and she'd let me know that this isn't fair. And um, and I think that's an important thing as well, is when it comes to creating rules for the games, because, you know, games need rules, is that you make the rules with your children. That maybe before the game you say, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. What are the rules that we need to make? And together you make rules up and you allow them to make some of the rules. Now, these rules may not be the traditional rules, you know, like in basketball, it might not be your traditional basketball rules. But it doesn't really matter. What what really matters is that you guys have a set of rules and you stick to those rules. So if you pull them up on cheating, you know, you can pull them up on those rules. And I'll talk a little bit about cheating in a minute, but, um, you know, make up your rules together okay we're going to play a game basketball what are the rules and you know they'll come up with some rules and you'll get a bit of negotiation happening but again it makes them feel a bit of ownership towards the experience that they're going to be having 
And it can often make the games a lot more fun as well. So kind of set those rules in place without. If you do find that your child has a tendency to cheat a little bit, and let's be honest, most kids will. Most kids will try to stretch the rules. There needs to be some strict boundaries around how that works. You know, this is one of those life lessons things that, you know, if you, you don't want your chit to grow up to be a cheater in life. And so one thing you do is that you treat them that if you catch them cheating once, you let them know, okay, well, you did this. If you do it again, I'm not going to play with you because I don't like playing with cheats. And if they do it twice, you just stop the game. That way that they learn that if they're going to cheat, it's actually bad for them. So just just on the cheating thing. So I suppose as a bit of a wrap up to the top of exercise, I think you've got to make gameplay gameplay really important. You've got to make it interactive between both you and the children, and that can be about you competing or working towards targets together. Um, you're looking for ways to reinforce positivity within them and being specific on your praise, and then outside of that experience, to try and give them you know praise in front of other people. Um, to be working towards stuff as well and then um, you know allowing them to win teaching them about winning and losing but also always making the game exciting gauging where they are within the the workout themselves so that you're not trying to blow them out but um, you you know that's kind of something you figure out as you go along so those are some ideas I'd have around how to exercise and how to make exercise fun for your kids just in everyday life I suppose I'll, I'll I suppose I'll just quickly talk on a, a couple of nutrition things that um, that are probably really obvious, but probably just need to be reinforced. And I think the first thing is that a lot of parents fail with is that they use food as a reward. That um, and it probably goes to a deeper meaning in that we need probably need to be stronger in our discipline and stronger with the way we deal with rules as. as parents but a lot of parents use the bribing strategy as a way to make their kid do the behavior that they want to do and you know what a lot of time it works and and you know bribing is not necessarily a bad thing but if you teach your children that they're going to get sweet or unhealthy food through bribing you're probably going to end up leading them towards the behavior you don't want to do and when we think about nutrition you know, we, you know, it's okay for kids to have some sweets sometimes, but if you're using your reward system all the time to be food, then it's probably going to have a negative effect on their health. Try to think of different strategies that are going to help your kids, you know, get the behaviors you want, but really, really try never to use food as a reward because it's just, you know, just, just, you know the effects could be absolutely massive. I think the other thing as well is when it comes to children with nutrition as well, is they're going to eat what's in your cupboard. And um, hopefully you know a little bit about nutrition, but you'll probably know what foods aren't necessarily that good. And I think one of the best strategies parents can have when it comes to kids' nutrition is eliminate the bad choices. If the Kids are going to eat when they're hungry. They're not going to starve themselves. But if they go in the cupboard and all they see is fruit and, and healthy snacks, that's what they're going to grab. If a kid walks into a cupboard and sees chocolate biscuits, that's what the kid's going to grab. And so one of the ways that we can help our kids make healthier choices is just the process of elimination. Eliminating those bad foods out of your cupboard and making sure that the choices they have around nutrition when they can make choices themselves are only really op- you know, healthy choices. On top of that, 
little things like making sure you eat at the table is, is really important for um, making sure kids eat healthy. If you eat at a table every night with your children, you know, there's, there's the family time together, which is really important, but you can make judgments on the type of foods they're eating. You can encourage, you know, quantities and quality of food as well. So eating at the table is really, really important. And then just spending time learning what kind of food kids need to eat. You know, like, most of us have an understanding of nutrition and basic, you know, what does it take to eat good nutrition. And, and it, you know, some of us don't, it's a little bit confusing. But if you don't know, do a bit of reading. Do a bit of reading into what kind of foods kids need to eat, learning how to read food labels, and then making sure you're choosing healthy choices for your children. Do you know what? I, I could sit around and giving lots of different tips around nutrition. But again, I kind of think it's that it really does go back to what that level of commitment you have for your child and um, often I think in today's modern world was we've learnt strategies that help us cope with our children behaviours that actually have a negative effect on their health and you know like bribing kids for food and, and I suppose at the end of the day we, we probably forget how hard kids work are you know kids are hard hard work and I remember when I was a young man I used to be naive and think mums were just lazy I, I, I often tell mums this I used to think mums were really lazy and they just sit around eating I mean watching Oprah all day and uh, and then I had a child myself and a mother's role or, or parents roles uh, particularly mothers who stay at home mums or stay at home dads it's such a such a tough job you know kids are just this bundle of energy that want 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 all the time and because of that, it can be hard to sometimes make that commitment to put in the extra level stuff in with things like nutrition and like exercise in, in your kid's life. But you've got a kid and they're very, very important to you. So this commitment is a responsibility you have to have. Well, I feel you have to have. You have to have that commitment to make sure you're getting out, spending time, encouraging exercise, teaching the importance of exercise. And so as I wrap up today's, uh, today's show, I think there's one quick thing I'll talk to. And that is, what do you need to do to make sure you're in the place that you can have that commitment? If you're working from 7 in the morning to 6 at night in a high-level job that's really full-on, and you get home and you know you just sit down in front of the TV because you know that's how you relax. And you know the kids want your energy, but you're shrugging them off. And you're, you know, you're encouraging them to almost play the PlayStation or watch TV or, or do something that's kind of non-active. What do you need to do to make sure you can come home from work and have the right energy for your children? Maybe it's stopping over before you get out of the car and just having a quick 10-minute nap. Or making sure you have good nutrition about an hour before going home. Sure, I know when you walk in the door, the first thing you want to do is relax. I know we all work hard. But if you just do that and you neglect your children's health, then you're probably going to create a person who potentially could be one of those 33% of females in, in the UK who are obese. Obese as a child. What future are you setting up for that child? So as you think about, if you are someone who's listening to this right now and there's maybe a sense of guilt around the idea of you know deep down you're not committing that that level of commitment that your kid needs to learn to love exercise and, and healthy nutrition, what do you need to do to make sure you can put that commitment back on yourself? What adjustments do you need to make to your lifestyle to make sure you can make that commitment? <laughs>
Kids are the most wonderful thing in life. You know, I'm very fortunate. I had a kid when I was bloody 19 and it wasn't planned, I'll tell you that much, but I, I love having my daughter and, um, you know, kids are the most challenging and the most rewarding thing in your life. And as a parent, I think we all want to ultimately get to the point where our kids are better than us, you know, like I think ultimately that's, oh, I don't know if that's everyone's goal, but, you know, we're, they are evolving in life, but ultimately that we're, we're producing healthy young adults who can explore this world in a way, both physically and mentally, in a way that is, that is good for themselves and for the world around them. And if you make that commitment to showing the importance of exercise in their life, and and are responsible to their healthiness around their nutrition there's a you know i can't guarantee it but there's a pretty high chance your kid is going to be that person who steps out into the world when they're no longer in your hands in a much more prepared place and will you know be a good person in this world so if you are someone who's kind of identified with today's talk have a think about it think about what you need to do as a parent to make sure that you can be, you know, the best version of yourself for your children so that they can love exercise and they can get all the gains of it and ultimately so you can gain the enjoyment of your children. guys it's uh, pretty much this month's show hopefully you get some insight in that one it's one of those areas it's an area that you know I, I, I do teach a little bit of kids exercise and I do love teaching kids exercise because they're just kind of crazy and and when I teach kids exercise I I try to set up an environment where they kind of get to break the rules so we allow them to be really loud and and um, I try to make sure that they're very supportive of each other and it's about interaction and gameplay it's about getting to hold together and I find it really rewarding. I, I, to be honest, I haven't really done as much of it in the last 18 months, but I used to do quite a bit of it, and um, it's something I'll look to do maybe in the future a bit more as well. But um, again, it's not really my area of expertise, but hopefully there was some insight in there for you guys that maybe you can tap into, and hopefully for Stuart, um, I helped out a little bit. But yeah, hopefully not. I'll probably do a worksheet for this month's show just because it's a bit more around kids, and I'll be honest, I didn't end up getting those other two done when I was going to Europe. Um, I'm off overseas next week as well, so hopefully I'll get those done. Check out the website, you can see it on there. I do have an email um, to respond to. Now let me pull it up right here. I got it today, so it should be pretty easy to find. Here it is, and it's by uh, somebody called CJ. I don't know if it's a boy or girl, to be honest. CJ could be either or, but I'm a Les Mills instructor and a fan of your articles. I've been out of Les Mills coaching, teaching loop for a bit over a year now due to work-related um, I'm a nurse to back injury and lots of rehab and now two surgeries. Oh, that kind of sucks. I'm struggling with exercise because of my limitations as I attempt to get back into just standing upright and building up endurance from being so deconditioned. Was bent bound for five months due to pain before the last surgery. Wow, that's hard to fathom. Five months in a bed. <sighs> I know I need to be patient with myself to lose weight and rebuild strength and fitness, but any advice on coping with the factors that play into a situation like mine? Wow, so yeah, you've been through the wars. Um, I, I think, you know what, I'm going to go back to my, my tried and true advice that I often give in these situations, and I think it is really about kind of setting some expectations around where you are right now and, and looking at going okay well this is where I am right now and this is where I'm going to progress forward you're in that situation you're obviously a very fit person you're, you're taught as a Les Mills instructor 
you know, you, you've obviously know what it's like to be a pretty high level person. And sometimes for people in your situation, the downfall is, is that our past is our expectation for the current moment. And that past expectation makes the current moment just feel bad. And so I suppose, you know, in your situation is, you know, and it's kind of like last month's podcast really is to, to spend a bit of time doing some measuring based on where you are right now and then doing a little bit of what 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 time can I commit to exercise? And, and for you, it might not necessarily even be a time problem. It might be that your body can only handle so much exercise. So, the other, you know, on top of that, then you might say, okay, well, my body can handle half an hour, three days a week. So what can I do within that that's going to make me move from this moment forward so that you feel you are getting the most out of your exercise time? Then on top of that, I think you can look for other little challenges. So you can look for challenges around nutrition. You know, you've said you wanted to lose some weight and, um, you know, you can maybe set up a, like a little process challenge around nutrition or something like that to just really help you, you know, have a focus that makes you feel good about yourself and, you know, working towards achieving this goal. And then lastly, I think for, for the person who's been the exerciser who, you know, suddenly isn't able to achieve the level that they have in the past is use this as an opportunity to develop yourself in an area that maybe deep down you've always wanted to do. For me, it's my piano when I when I get injured or something like that. As much as I'm gutted that I can't exercise, I think, oh well, at least I can spend some more time playing my piano. And just to, to allow yourself, you know, maybe over this period of time you might have a little hobby where you can go, I'm going to spend an hour a day doing this hobby, which is something I've always wanted to do, but I've just never had time to commit to doing that. Now that's just going to help you with the overall sense of I'm developing myself as a person and I think for the exerciser we get a lot of value from exercise in that area of developing ourselves as a person and when that gets removed it can be really hard coping with that but if we have other areas that are developing ourselves that you know that can have maybe not to the same effect of exercise but it can definitely have an effect in a way of doing that so hopefully that helps Um, I'm not sure if it will but hopefully it does and uh, yeah thanks for your question. <clears throat> that's, uh, that's going to be pretty much this month's show I know this month's show is a little bit different to typical shows because it's a bit more specific to something but I have to say that I'm really excited about next month's show next month's show I'm going to touch on a sub- subject that I, I use myself it's a skill set that I use a lot and it's a skill set that I really see as an effective tool um in, in achieving you know whatever it is that you want to achieve so look out for next month's show and one thing I will say can you please help spread the word um, I'm, I've actually started writing a book there you go that's, that's why I want you to spread the word I've actually started writing a book um, around kind of the thinking in the show and you know, you know I seem to come from a certain place I have a certain kind of angle that I come from when it comes to exercise and uh, the whole behaviour thing and I, and I really it fascinates me and I love it and um so I thought it's about time I wrote a book, and I've set myself the goal of getting it done around January, February 2013. So if you're listening to this years from now, it may be already done. Check out my website. But um, <laughs> but I've started writing. I've written my first chapter. Um, you know, I've never written a book before, so I don't know what it's going to be like, but I'm pretty ex- – or actually, I have written a book before. I wrote a book with a mate a few years ago. We never really did anything with it, but – this book here, I definitely want to kind of, I'm, I'm not sure, I'll probably self-publish it. may use the Amazon route and self-publish it as just as an ebook, but I'm not sure. We'll see what happens as, as I go down my path. But I'm really enjoying the process of 
kind of taking my thinking into the written word in, in a bigger way, like I write my, my articles, but um, yeah, so so I, you know, obviously I want to grow my audience and I want to have more of an influence, so if you can help me do that by spreading the word that your friends know about the show, um, by sending to the website or just uh, yeah, put it on your Facebook or anything like that, I'd really appreciate that. Anyway, I'm going to rock on, I've got a couple of teenage girls in my house right now because it's school holidays and I better give them a bit of a kick up the butt because I think they're still in bed and um, um, but anyway, I'm going to rock on and call it a day. You guys have a wonderful month. I'll see you same time, same place next month with a show that I think you will enjoy. Anyway, you have a great day. Mm-hmm.